And the whole thing about prayer is it's not uh, about whether or not if we will pray, it's what? It's when we pray, right? So we are supposed to be people of prayer. That's what Jesus taught us. That's what Jesus was. That's what he modeled, right? And uh, so uh, today we're going to be kind of wrapping that up. And today is also Life Group Rally Day. And if you guys will look around, uh, you can see we've got tables set up everywhere. And there's life, group, uh, life groups all around the room that you can get connected in and, and plugged into. If you're watching online, you can go to our website and uh, you can check out some of the life groups that are available. And uh, to us, we believe that you're, you, know, you are really connected at Journey Church whenever you're involved in a life group and your own dream team. It's not just kind of going through the membership class. Membership class is kind of us telling you, hey, this is who we are. And, um, you know, we want you to be a part of it. We invite you to be a part of it. And so you can say, hey, man, I've joined the church, but you're not fully connected until you're in a life group and until you have literally begun to serve and use your gifts. That's when you're connected. And that's whenever you're a vital part of what's going on here at the church in such a way that you're literally making a difference every, every, everywhere you go. And so we want you guys to, to pray about, hey, what life group you'll get plugged into. So uh, at the end of the service, I'll release the life group leaders to go to their uh, to, uh, to the tables and. And then you can walk by. And so uh, for some of us, you know, it's getting out of our comfort zone because we go, you know, I don't really know that guy over there by the table. Go look at the stuff. Find out what's involved. There's all kinds of stuff that you can get connected in. We want you to be a part of it. And so, you know, so here's the thing. When you pray, and I'm going to say it like this, when you pray about what life group you're going to be in, you know, so in other words, today as you're praying about what life group you're going to be a part of, I want you to literally pray for God to show you where you're supposed to be connected and how to get, you know, you know, what group you're supposed to be in. And so be praying about that. And Hey, and I want to give, I want to give a shout out to a couple of people as well. Uh, we had a team, uh, that went to Selma yesterday to help with the tornado, uh, disaster relief over there. And, uh, if y'all would just give it up for them for going over and serving, offering, uh, man, they cooked food. They prayed with people. They gave out gift cards that you guys gave to the church. So thank you again for giving. And, um, for just making a difference. And, you know, a lot of these people, their, their lives have been impacted for years, you know, and so they're still reeling from the storm. And I know for a lot of us, you know, that, Hey, that was a few weeks ago, but for them, it's all around their house now. So still uh, pray about how we and you can be involved in helping minister to the needs of the people. And so a lot of cool things happening here at the church. So let us uh, go ahead and kind of push through this. And I'm going to try to get us out of here a little bit early today so that you guys can go and find your life group. So we're talking about when we pray. And I want us to kind of do a little bit of review, if you would, because we've been in uh, Matthew chapter 6. And uh, Pastor John did an incredible job last week. If y'all would give it up, Pastor John, he did an awesome job teaching on fasting and praying. Hopefully some of you guys maybe uh, even put that into practice this week. Uh, but it talks about when you pray. So this is out of Matthew chapter 6. When you pray, don't be like hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I'll tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. And so Jesus not only tells us what to do when we pray, but what not to do. And so he says, hey, when you pray, so in other words, he is ex- expecting us to pray. He's, he's expecting us to do it. Don't be like the hypocrites. In other words, don't make it a show. You know, if, if your prayer is just a show and you got the flowery words and, you know, and it's a, just a lot of repetitive stuff, man, he's saying, hey, listen, don't do that. Don't do what other religions do. Don't do what the pagans do. He said, hey, man, make it real. Make it authentic. Make it genuine. You know, let it be a conversation between you and a holy God. And, and so he said, hey, listen, that's the only reward you'll ever get if that's all you've got. But when you pray, again, there he goes again, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. And then your father who sees everything will reward you. So again, Jesus, hey, listen, make it about an intimate relationship with a heavenly father. You know that you're praying for things. You're praying for people. You can pray for yourself. I mean, we've talked about the model that Jesus gives. And we'll kind of review that again today as well. 
But he says, man, just spend some time with the Father. Don't make it about trying to impress people. A lot of times I think, you know, we think, well, you know, I don't know big words and I don't know how to pray in such a way that people will be impressed with my prayer. Then Jesus is telling you that that's all you're going to get. But it's whenever you make it real and you make it authentic and you're praying to the Father, that's when it's really good. It says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered uh, merely by repeating their words again and again. And so, in other words, don't let it be just some t- kind of religious ritual that you do. Like your blessing. When you pray for the, the food or you pray for a meal, you know, don't let it be the same repetitive thing that you've always done or that your dad did or that your grandfather did. You might think, well, that's what I was taught. Well, let Jesus teach you something different. You know what I'm saying? Let Jesus teach you that, hey, that needs to be genuine, authentic, and real. You know, let it be something that's a conversation between you and a holy God. And it says, don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So what God is looking for is something different. So look, look at the statement here. It says, instead of long, loud, and fancy, the prayers that move God's heart are simple, authentic, and heartfelt. They're simple, authentic, and heartfelt. And so there, there's a lot of times, you know, and there, there are certain people, uh, and I remember a guy saying this one time. He said, man, he said, when I get in a circle and I start praying with people, he said, oftentimes, uh, he said, you know, if we're praying for a little bit, I'm praying with them. He said, and they start praying for too long, I start praying against them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, did anybody know that? Everybody, anybody else do that? I mean, I know there's times I'm going like, good Lord, dude, this ain't time to catch up on all your prayers for the whole week. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we got stuff to do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, God tells us to move to action as well. So we are to be people of prayer. I mean, it should be like breathing, right? It should be our breath. But man, there's also a time to move to action. There's a time to get up and do something. And I think sometimes we pray way too long when we really need to be moved to action. You know, God's already revealed what he wants you to do. He said, hey, listen, be obedient. Let's get up and do what you've been praying about. Let's go ahead and move, all right? And so long and then loud and then, I don't know what's going on with the TV today or whatever. But anyway, so long, loud, and fancy. And like I said, it's not about being fancy. It's about being what? It's just simple, authentic, and heartfelt. And so we, that's what God, that's what moves the heart of God. And so there's a video I want you guys to check out. So check check this video out. And this is a, to me, this is a couple that has said, Hey, listen, man, I just want to pray. I just want to get real. I just want to give this to God. And so this is a couple from our church that was going through a tough time. But so check this video out. So we were married in November of 2019. We were trying to start a family, which was very uh, difficult for us. Six months after we started attending journey, we, we got into the young married group. We needed community more than we realized. Even though I knew, okay, I can talk to God about this, I can pray about this, it's still hard when you feel like it's not getting answered. The last attempt, I feel like, was a big surrender. (laughs) It's kind of like, you know what? We're going to stop making this um, our time because we knew that that God was going to make it happen. And I always relied on Jeremiah 29 11. We bought her some little cards that have verses on it. First card, Jeremiah 29 11. And I just feel like that's God's way of saying, hey, <laughs> we've been here all together. We're going through this. And I feel like our relationship with God has gone deeper. We stuck to prayer. We stuck to relying on scripture because that, that doesn't change. God doesn't change. Our emotions are what kept changing. Keep God first. Keep your relationship strong. Just praying the everyday moments and not just feeling like, oh, I didn't pray today because I had to make it this grand, extravagant moment when God just wants to hear from you. Stay 
be steadfast in prayer and just be patient knowing that he would come through. How awesome is that? That little baby is a miracle, right? That's answered prayer. And, uh, and I don't know if you heard what they said, but they said, hey, listen, whenever we, we just said, hey, listen, God, in your timing, God, we trust you. And, and today we're going to talk about that. You know, some of our fears, you know, reveal where we trust God the least. And, and so what they were, you know, revealed in that, that video, and I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful couple. That little baby is so pretty, you know, and you're sitting there going, you know, God, you're, you're such an awesome God. But God, it's, it's like Jeremiah 29, 11, Father, you, I, we, I know you know the plans. Father, you have the plans. And so, Father, we're coming to you. We're, we're not babbling. We're not kind of doing these things over and over and over to kind of talk you into something. We're saying, God, we trust you. Father, we trust you. We, we lean into you. And, and so Jesus gave us a model prayer. It's the Lord's Prayer. And we're not going to completely redo this, but we're going to review it. And so this is a model that he gives. He's, and Jesus said, pray like this. He said, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what Jesus is saying, this is the model. Hey, Father, we want it to be about your kingdom, about your will, your plan, your timing. Your, your, God, I trust you. And so Jesus is modeling that for us. He's saying, hey, listen, let's put our faith, let's put our confidence in the Father. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. So give us today what we need. God, I'm trusting you to give me what I need. Maybe not what I want, but what I need. And whenever we get to the point where we go, God, it's not about what I, what I want. God, it's about what I need. And Father, I'm trusting you to meet that. But God, what I want is for your kingdom to be expanded. I want you to be glorified. I want you to be honored. I want it to be about you. And I want it to be a testimony that will point to you. It says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil. And that's acknowledging, Jesus is acknowledging there is an enemy. There is a, there is a, a devil. There is one that tries to take us, you know, out every chance he can. He tries to rob us, steal us, you know, steal everything he can from us. He, he wants to snuff us out. And so Jesus is acknowledging that. And so he's putting his confidence in the Father. Don't let us yield to temptation. It's going to come. The temptation is going to be there. Don't let us yield to it, but rescue us from the evil one. And he will. And so here's the thing that Jesus gave us. It's not a pattern. It's a pattern. It's not a chance. So he kind of gave us a model to follow. So if you use the Lord's prayer, like, Hey, I'm just going to go through it in this repetitive thing, because that's what you were taught. You've missed what Jesus was teaching. He gave you a pattern. He said, Hey, listen, these are the things you need to be looking at. These are the things you need to be asking for. These things you need to be focused on. But if you're just doing it as a chant, you're doing exactly the opposite of what he told you to do. And, And so oftentimes what we do is we'll put it on our wall and man, there's, there's a great pattern there and there's nothing wrong with claiming scripture, but if we let it just be some chant that we're doing, we've missed exactly what he was teaching us to do. So the different parts of the Lord's prayer are meant to teach us something about God. It teaches us about who God is. You know, that we have this one true God. There is one true God. There's, there's enemies out there. There's demons out there. There's a devil out there. Jesus addressed that, but he says, there's one true God that is above all things. And Father, we want your will to be done. We want you to be glorified. We want it to be about you. And then it teaches us about prayer, that prayer is us bringing our petitions. It's us bringing our needs to him. And it's trusting and it's listening, you know, and it's hearing from a holy God. And then about our need, our need is to have that relationship, that right relationship with the Father. So Jesus taught this pattern to the disciples because they, they it was obvious to them, like, man, everything he does, he prays. You know, and it's his time with the Father that changes everything. And so they, they wanted to know more about that. And then it talks about afterwards in, in Matthew 6, 14 through 15, it says, if you forgive those who sin against you, 
your heavenly father will forgive you. And so not to rush past this one, but we've got to be willing to forgive. And we talk about this. And so oftentimes what we do is, you know, we, we hang on to stuff and we become bitter or angry or resentful. And we hang on to things, maybe past wounds. Maybe someone has hurt you. Maybe someone's done something that you know, has just, has just broken your heart. And, and so we've got to be willing to forgive them. Uh, I was watching, uh, for whatever reason, I, I love history type stuff. And so we've been watching uh, a bunch of uh, history stuff on guys that settled the West. And, you know, and, and anyway, so there's a guy named Hugh Glass. And if uh, you, ever, you saw the movie by DiCaprio where the uh, bear attacks him, Revenant, or however they say that. And uh, so it's made about the guy named Hugh Glass. And so Hugh Glass is attacked by this grizzly while they're out on this expedition out West. And anyway, he, he nearly dies. And uh, two guys were left behind, Fitzgerald and uh, Bridger, were left behind to kind of watch out for him and then bury him once he died. Well, they left him, left him laying there. But anyway, he ended up making it back, and he travels 200 miles or whatever through the wilderness to make it back, bent on revenge. He's going to take out Fitzgerald, and he's going to take out Bridger. And, so, and he's like, you know, this is, that's, that's what's keeping him alive. And when he got there, he ended up forgiving uh, you know, Bridger, he, he, he ended up forgiving him because of his youthfulness and everything. But Fitzgerald, he's like, hey, I'm still going after him. Well, he joined the army, and if he, he killed him and he was in the army, he would be, he'd be killed. So he said, if you ever get out of the army, you're still dying. So here's the thing. He, he, he forgave one, and the other one, he was still holding the grudge, right? And so he's still bitter towards that. And so a lot of times we'll do that. We'll say, hey, I'll forgive certain things, but I'm not forgiving everybody. But what Jesus is teaching us, we've got to be willing to forgive it all. We've got to be willing to let it go. And so, you know, we, we want to be known as people who walk in forgiveness, not people who walk in bitterness, right? And, and so if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. And I think that's important for us to remember because this, this whole chapter, Jesus is teaching about prayer and fasting. You know, and so we've got to be willing to make sure that, you know, we're, we're, we understand what Jesus is teaching. So Jesus makes it clear if we want to be forgiven, we have to forgive others who sin against us. And so if you're wanting forgiveness and you feel like, hey, man, I've got guilt and I'm riddled with guilt or, you know, whatever. And, you know, or you've got bitterness and anger and resentment and you, you hate the way that you feel. Let Jesus deal with some of that. Bring it to him. You know, be willing to say, Jesus, I, I can't do this, but you can in me and you can through me. And so, Jesus, I need you to help me. And, and he'll take those things. And if we forgive, he will forgive us. Last week, Pastor John did an incredible job teaching on fasting. And so it's denying self of the natural to experience the supernatural, abstaining with a spiritual goal in mind. And so, you know, I've, I've said, it's, you know, it's relinquishing. It's letting go of the natural. It's letting it go. You know, it's not focusing on it. And, but you're, you're letting go of it so that you can grab hold of the supernatural. There's something that God wants to do in you in a, on a spirit, in a spiritual way on a deeper level. And maybe it's just to, to do spiritual surgery. And I'll be honest with you, I'm praying for God to do spiritual surgery in every one of us today. That he would begin to reveal some things. He'd begin to uh, convict us of some things. And we would allow him to search our hearts and begin to change and transform the power of our prayer and the power of our life, the power of our witness. And, and so de denying self of the natural to experience the supernatural. So Jesus expected his followers would regularly fast. Uh, John talked about that last week. Jesus expected that, right? 
Uh, and so maybe some of you guys, you have never fasted. And uh, John gave you all the, uh, you know, the, the warnings or whatever to, hey, go check with your, your uh, physician. Make sure that physically you can. You know, don't do something stupid, but, you know, make sure that your spirit led in that and the Lord is leading you to do that. And, and again, how to do it. It's not to draw attention to yourself. It's to draw attention to really uh, your attention to God. It's to get you more in alignment with God's will and God's plan. And so maybe there's some big things going on in your life that you need to spend some time praying about. You need to ask God, God, show me, you know, your answer. God, show me the path. God, show me the direction. God, show me whatever. But you got to be willing to say, God, I want to relinquish some things. And every time that I want those natural things, God, I desire and my focus moves back to the supernatural, to you, to the divine. And so God, Jesus expected his followers to regularly fast. And then Jesus expected his followers would regularly pray. And so Jesus expects us to pray, right? So that's an expectation. So if you're one of those who, man, the only time I pray is whenever there's a food on the table, because that's what I was taught to do, or when I'm going through a tough time and I really need a bailout, or whenever things aren't going my way and I want God to change something, if that's the only time you pray, you've missed what Jesus taught. Because he wants us to pray regularly. He wants us to have a relationship with the Father. Not be religious, but to have a relationship and a conversation and what this is, this is supernatural, super powered, if you would, conversation with the Father. In Hebrews 4, 4, 14 through 15, it says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. So we have to know what we believe, right? And so we, maybe, we, maybe we need to go back to, Hebrew, I mean, to Matthew chapter 6 and we unpack you know, prayer and fasting a little bit deeper on a personal level. You know, maybe you get in a life group and you say, hey, listen, hey, can we, can we take a look at Matthew chapter 6? And maybe you want to learn how to be a, a person of prayer and a person who walks with authority and power, you know, not of yourself, but that God has given you because you know the word of God and you know the truth of God and you know how to pray and you know, you know what you should be praying for and what your focus should be on. And so, again, look at this. Is, Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, that's Jesus, right, who intercedes on our behalf. He says, let us hold, uh, hold firmly to what we believe. So we got to know what we believe. The world is always selling stuff, right? And they're always trying to get you to give up what you believe for what they think you should believe. That's what our culture is dealing with right now. So many people don't know the scriptures. They don't know the Bible. They don't know the word of God. And they're, and they're making a lot of decisions based on opinion, you know, or what is popular rather than what is truth. And so every one of us need to know the word of God. And if you don't have a Bible... You know, we will give you a Bible. I'll put a Bible in your hand. You know, it was awesome. I had a lady just walk up to me a few minutes ago and say, hey, listen, you know, uh, I had an opportunity to lead a young girl to the Lord just the other day. She goes, I want to take her a Bible. And so we gave her a Bible to take to give to that young lady. And I'm thinking, how awesome is that? It gave me chills, you know, that she's sharing her, her faith. And you clap that up. I mean, God deserves that, right? But she said, hey, I want to go take her the word of God. And I'm just telling you, we need to know the word of God. We need to know the truth of God's word. And so, so we have to know what we believe so we can firmly hang on to it. And so the high, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. He did not sin. So here's the thing I love, that Jesus wants us praying dangerous prayers. And so, so I've got a, I, want, I want to give a couple of books away, but let me just ask you this. How many of you guys in here, who in here wants to pray uh, dangerous prayers that move hell and literally shake the world. All right, man, I, dude, I love that. So I was going to give it to whoever raised their hand, but there's too many hands. So I got two books. So the first two people, somebody from up here, come up here and get this book. If you want to pray dangerous prayers, come on, we're going to see how, how bold you are. Come on. There you go, man. All right. And learn those and pray them. Who over here? Right here. I love it. I love it. 
Learn those and pray dangerous prayers. We're going to take one and we're going to unpack it today. So there's three dangerous prayers that we pray. Now, here's what I love. that There were that many hands all over the room that said, man, I want to pray dangerous prayers. That's awesome. And, and so, so dangerous prayers. So let's look at the first one here. Is God search me. God search me. That's the one we're going to unpack today. God search me. And so this is a dangerous prayer because when we begin to pray that prayer, we're saying, hey, God, lay me bare. God, lay me open. God, I want you to search to the deepest, darkest corners of my heart, and I want you to reveal whatever sin is there. And I want you to show me what I'm hanging on to or what I'm allowing to get in the way. Whatever is offending you or breaking your heart, God, I want you to reveal that. And so what we do is that we often pray comfortable prayers. We pray our, you know, kind of our wish list of what we want God to do and what we feel like he needs to do. But to say, God, I want you to search me. God, I want you to search my heart. I want you to show me what my true motivation is. You know, and you may say, hey, well, I'm a motivated person. And the reason I'm motivated is because, man, I want to be a leader. I want, really? Is it something deeper? Is it some, something you're trying to compensate for? Or something you're trying to overcompensate for? I mean, what is, what's your motivation? And so we've got to be able to say, God, search me and show me anything that is in me that, that offends you and breaks your heart, God. And so that's, that's one prayer that's a dangerous prayer. Here's another one. God, break me. You know, Jesus you know, he broke the bread. He said, this represents my body that's broken for you. And so Jesus is, is literally being broken. And I'll just tell you this. There are times we've got to be willing to say, God, God, I want you to break me over my sin. Search me and reveal my sin. But God, I want you to break me over my sin that I'm not okay with it. I don't, I don't justify it anymore, but I'm broken over it. And so when we start praying, God, I want you to search me and reveal anything that is offensive to you. It begins to get a little bit dangerous. And then we say, God, I want you to break me over my sin. I'm telling you, he will break you. And he'll bring some things into your life. A lot of people used to say, man, you know, don't ever pray for patience. God will put you through hell. You know, and, but here's the thing. You're going, God, teach me patience. It's the fruit of the spirit, right? So don't, don't make it negative like that. Say, so God, I'm more patient. God, you put me through challenges and you've taught me so much. So God, I want to learn how to be more patient with people. God, I want to be patient with you. And so it's a fruit of the Spirit. So God, search me. God, break me. And here's the last one. God, send me. See, most of us won't pray that prayer. We'll say, God, send somebody. God, send someone. God, send somebody else. But God, I want to be comfortable. I want the all-American dream. I want to be able to just do what I have in, in mind to do. I want to have the nice spread. I want to have the nice land. I want to have the nice house. I want to have the nice cars. I want the kids to come back home and, and visit us. You know, I've got, I want all that you know, America says, this is what it's about. But we don't say, God, send me somewhere. Send me into the mission field. God, send me where it is tough. God, send me where it is dark. And, and I'm just telling you, those are dangerous prayers to pray. And so we've got to be able to say, God, we, we don't want to just pray comfortable prayers. We don't want to just pray nice little pleasant prayers like, God, you know, give us food to eat. God, give us a warm night tonight. And God, you know, help us to help us to get along with each other. And that be all. We've got to be able to say, God, search me, break me, and then send me. God, search my heart and just show me, you know, what is wrong in here? God, what, you know, what, what sin am I holding on to? And then break me over that sin. Whatever it takes for you to get me where I'm useful, where I'm, I'm pliable where I'm teachable, where I'm not in control. Any control freaks in the room? Man, when you say, hey, God, will you break me? He will break you of control. And so we've got to be able to say, God, break me. And then God, send me to be about your kingdom, your will, 
your work. Those are dangerous prayers to pray. So I want us to take the first one. We'll kind of unpack that today. And this is David's prayer. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So we're saying, we're praying what David prayed. You, remember, you know, I mean, David had done some stuff. David was a man after God's own heart. But man, he had done some stuff, right? And so he said, God, search me. God, search me. And, and so we've got to be sincere in this. Oh, God, and know my heart. In other words, we think, it's a lot of times we think, well, you know, I'm a pretty good old dude. You know, and uh, I often hear moms talk about, you know, our son, well, he's a good boy. He's got a great heart. It's not what the scripture teaches. You know, we say, you know, they're, they're a good person, man. They've got a good heart. And you're like, that's not what scripture teaches. You know, and so, but it says, search me and know my, know my heart and test me and know my anxious thoughts. In other words, what am I anxious about? Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. In other words, show me how to walk in a way that honors you. Help, help me to walk in, the, in, in the, the life that is evident that Christ is in control, that Jesus is my Lord. You know what? That, that leads to everlasting life. I, that's what I want to be a part of. This is what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah said, the, the heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So we often say, you know, I got a good heart, man. I mean, I really want to do the right thing. Do you really? I mean, scripture says that you don't, you know, our heart will deceive us. It'll, it'll fool us. It'll lie to us. You know, we, we start thinking, well, Hey, well, I'm not all that bad. I'm not as bad as that guy over there. You know, I'm not as bad as she is. Good gracious. I mean, she's a harlot, you know, whatever. And so we begin to justify our sin and we deceive ourselves and God is saying, Hey, listen, the sin that you have is breaking my heart, but we begin to justify it. Right. And so the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But the Lord search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So he searches our motives. And see, I think sometimes we, we think, hey, well, I'm doing this because I love to do it. And sometimes our motives are really wrong. And you might think, well, I'm, I'm fixing this meal because, because of love. Is it because of love? Is it because of some other motive? You know, I don't like that person because, you know, they, whatever. And, and we go, you know, the motive may be that we're afraid of opening up to that person. So we kind of put them at arm's length. So whatever our motives be, you know, it says, you know, that God examines our heart and he begins to source our motives. We say, hey, well, I'm just trying to provide for my family, man. You know, but yet we work way too much and work way too long on the thing. And we're just trying to accumulate as much wealth as we can have so that we can say that we have more than somebody else. And God knows our motives rather than say, hey, listen, I'm just providing for the family. And it's not so that I can have more, so that I can give more, so I can bless more. It ends up being sometimes, hey, it's cool. I can say I've got what I've got. So God knows our motives, right? So here's the thing. It's easy to pretend we are good at heart, but the Lord, but the Bible teaches us that our heart deceives us and it's desperately wicked. It's desperately wicked. And so, you know, I can remember whenever I was 19 years old, I can remember probably when I was 18 years old, probably when I was 17 years old, I would go to church and I often went because of the girls that were there or we were going to eat pizza afterwards, just being straight up. I wasn't going because I've been, I wanted to learn about Jesus so much. Um, you know, cause there was some fun things that you could do there. And I, I can remember thinking, you know, that's why I was there. And I can remember many times going, you know, God, I, you know, I can remember them talking about, you know, giving your life to Christ, you know, receiving Jesus for salvation, you know, Hey, there's going to be a destination of either heaven or a place of hell. It's up to you, which one, you know, you choose. God's not going to send you there. Here's the thing. You choose one or the other. 
And I remember always kind of weighing that out and going, man, I don't know about that, you know. And I was like, I'm not that bad of a guy. And I don't know if y'all ever did this, but I would sit there and go, I haven't done that much wrong. You know, and I was like, I've never killed anybody. And I started to kind of listen off the stuff I hadn't done. But I had this other list that was in the back of my mind that all the stuff that I had done. Does that make sense? And so I'm trying to justify my sin. And that's what we do. So my heart was deceiving me. I say, Mike, you're okay. I mean, you haven't done that much wrong. And, and so what we do is we start justifying our sin. So what, what my heart was doing was deceiving me. And what the Holy Spirit finally did was reveal to me my need for a Savior, my need for redemption, my need to, to, to literally to give my life to God and say, God, you know, here it is. Do with it what you can. And I am a sinner, and I am broken, and I am messed up, and I had to come to that re realization. But my heart had deceived me for so long. So that's why we need Jesus not only to save us, but to transform us, right? So that, I remember at the age of 19, walking an aisle, I, I, I remember giving my life to Christ. I mean, there is no question in my mind that I was saved, but it was the transformation that still had to take place because I began to struggle. I knew how to do sin. I had done that for so long. For 19 years, I knew how to do that. But I didn't know how to know, I didn't know how to walk as a righteous man. I didn't know how to walk and follow Christ. And so a guy did give me a Bible and he gave me this kind of weird book and I began to read through it. And I was like, man, that's too much for me. You know, and I was like, you know, I kind of backed off. And then I had a guy come and begin to pour into me. And, and I'm telling you, it's about relationships. And this guy began to pour into me and teach me and mentor me. And that's why it's so important to be involved in a life group. I mean, you get in a life group, man, you get connected with someone who can pour into you, who can pray over you. You know, and, and they'll challenge you. And so we need Jesus to save us, no doubt. But we need to be transformed into the image and the likeness of Christ. And not being okay with, hey, man, I'm just a good old boy. Or I'm good enough. Or I haven't done as much as everybody else has. But going, God, I want you to change my life. And start right here. Start with my heart. Start in the very core of who I am. Instead of simply asking God to do something for you, ask God to reveal something in you. See, we're always asking God to do stuff for our children, you know, maybe for our, our checking account, you know, maybe for, even for our church, we were asking God to do stuff. But what if we were to ask God to reveal something in me? God, will you reveal my motives? God, will you reveal, you know, what, what my greatest need is today? You know, one of the things that we often say, and we, we, I use this a lot, I say, Lord, give them, give them ears to hear and eyes to see. And so I pray that often for our church. I pray that for me. God, give me, ear, give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear what you want to do and what you want to reveal in me. And so I'm just telling you, I'm praying for you today that God will reveal something in you. And so it says here, it says, show me if I'm doing anything that offends you or hurts you. And so maybe even right now, in your, just in your heart of hearts, you're watching online, you're in the room, you just say, God, will you show me? Will you give me eyes to see what you see, God, will you give me ears to hear what you hear in me? You hear gossip out of my lips. God, will you, will you allow me to hear that? God, you hear bitterness and anger and resentment out of me. God, will you help me to hear that? God, you see greed in me. You see envy in me. God, will you give me eyes to see that? I just begin to ask God, God, search me. And pray dangerous prayers like God search me and show me and reveal the condition of my heart, the, the true nature that I'm wrestling with. God, I want to be spirit-led, not, not following that. And then here I love this one. Ask God to reveal our fears. You say, God, will you reveal what I'm afraid of? Will you reveal my, my fears? And I know a lot of us would say, I'm not afraid of anything. 
But God can reveal to us. Give, I said, God, will you give me eyes to see what I'm afraid of, ears to hear what I'm afraid of? Because here's the problem. What we fear the most often reveals where we trust God the least. So if you're afraid or worried, or you got these fears and it's your children, then maybe you don't trust God with your children. You think you're a better parent than he could be. Maybe you don't trust him with your finances. So you don't tithe. You don't return his tithe. You don't trust him in that area. And you're always afraid that you're going to run out of money. So whatever it might be, say, God, will you show me what my greatest fears are? Because I feel like those are the things that are keeping me from fully and, you know, and confidently trusting you 100%. So God, will you search me? Will you show me these things? And, and so maybe today, the next step for you is, you just pray that. Say, search me, O God, and reveal my heart. Search me, O God, and reveal my heart. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're holding somebody's hand, let it go. If you've got your arm around them, take it from around them. I want you to just, you and God for a minute. And just say, God, will you search my heart? Will you give me eyes to see what you see? Will you give me ears to hear what you hear? And I want to, I want to ask you to pray one more thing. I want to say, God, will you give me courage to do what you desire that I do. Because it will take courage. It'll take him working by his spirit in you and through you to get set free from the bondage of that sin. You say, Jesus, will you show me what I need to do? Will you show me anything that is offensive to you, that hurts you? Is it how I act? Is it how I talk? Is it my priorities? Is it what I love more than you? God, will you give me eyes to see what that is and ears to hear your voice? And God, will you give me the courage to do what you say to do? Maybe you're here in this room and God's revealed to you that you don't have a relationship with him. You've never put your faith in Jesus for salvation. You've never surrendered your life. Maybe like me, you've just justified your sin. You've thought about how you're not that bad of a person. But let me tell you, if you've sinned at all, you're in need of a Savior. You're in need of Jesus. And so maybe God's revealed that your greatest need is to surrender your life to Jesus 100% today. I'll give him everything and say, Jesus, will you come into my life? Jesus, will you be my leader, my Lord? Jesus, I want to ask you, if you would, will you save me? His answer is yes, he will. Jesus, I want to ask you to change me. And his answer is yes, he will. And said, so, Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. And so just say, Jesus, will you come and live within me? And teach me how to follow your teaching day in, day out by your spirit. And his answer is yes. So if you just prayed that prayer, you're here in the room, you just prayed that prayer. If you would, just raise your hand high. Just acknowledge, just acknowledge it and say, Mike, I just, I just raised, I, I'm raising my hand. I just prayed that prayer. I see your hand back here. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see a hand over here. Praise God. That's awesome. 
Welcome to the family of God, both of you. And maybe if you're online, man, if you don't mind, text us. Hey, man, I just prayed that prayer with Pastor Mike. I just prayed that prayer for salvation. And if you did, man, we celebrate with you. We, we celebrate that. But I believe that God is working on the hearts of everyone in this room. It's not just those who put their faith in Christ. Praise God for them. But I believe that God's working on every heart in this room. And he's revealing some things that he wants you to do business with. And so our prayer team, they're going to be here at the front. They will pray with you. But maybe it's just to go to the altar and lay down whatever God has revealed. Let go whatever God has revealed. To trust him with whatever the fear is. But you've heard from him. You've seen what he's revealed. But I'm praying that God will give you the courage to do whatever that is. So our, our, our worship team, they're going to come. They're going to lead us in a song just a response. And, and you just respond as the Holy Spirit leads you. Father, I pray that you would move in this moment. God, that we would ask, we would hear, we would see, and we would be obedient to whatever it is that you lead us to do. In Jesus' holy name, amen. If you guys would stand and you respond as the Holy Spirit leads you.